so Andy had a new baby girl, and so we have a photo for you guys. Yes. And since he's busy with his baby girl, I'm going to bring you guys a message this morning. Um, so we're going to take a step out from the Hollywood Be Thy Name series and take a step into uh, today, which we're just talking about the misconceptions of the gospel. See, it is so beautiful to come together with all of you on a Sunday morning because we get to experience our God together. It's like these guys are not up here to perform for you. These guys are up here to be the accompaniment of accompaniment of your praise. And we, oh, it's just so delightful. So thank you for being here. Thank you for coming and joining us this morning. What I want to do, if we're going to talk about some misconceptions of the Bible, we need to actually hear, or not of the Bible, misconceptions of the gospel, we need to actually hear the gospel first. So I'm going to do my best to sum up the gospel in like five minutes. But before that, we're going to be in Colossians. So if you have a Bible, you could open up to Colossians 1. We're about to get there, and it's going to be beautiful. So here's the gospel that we have. The almighty, infinite creator God decided it was time to bring the earth, the earth as we know it, into existence. And he created all things for his glory. Yeah. So he said to the stars, he said, you move over there, you stay there, you orbit there. And he said to the, uh, to the land, he said, you rise up here and the waters, you gather over here. And he said to the waves, you come to this point and go no further and do exactly as I say until I say otherwise. And they obeyed. And then he says to man, he says, don't eat from that tree. And man is like, but, and so the thing is, throughout history, we have belittled God. I just lost my space. We have belittled God, his glory and think our way is better. We have failed to give him thanks for the things that he has given us, and we've worshipped created things over the creator. We are messed up and bound in sin, deserving death and destruction, and an eternity apart from God. But, yes, this is where it gets good. Because while we were still sinners, oh, it's all right. <laughs> we're going to get there. While we were yet sinners, God showed his love for us. For God so loved. Yes, he so loved that even when our lives, lives were abhorrent to him, his love for us was greater. <laughs> we just sang about it, and it is delightful. Where am I at? This is the price he paid. Now, God being just, right, and holy is not going to allow the belittlement of his name. So there needed to be, a, there needed to be something had to pay the price for sin. And that was the death of something. He said, look, something's got to die. And so he's, God laid out, look, you take these animals that are perfect, that you're going to want to keep because they're the best of the pack. They're the best looking. They're going to make great looking kids. But guess what? You, to cover, to, to 
satisfy my wrath, something has to die, and it's that perfect animal. And so there's lots of blood, there's lots of fire, there's tons of smoke, and it doesn't last long because God, God, oh, the compassionate and gracious God abounding in love and faithfulness to the generations obtains a love so vast, so wide, so high, so deep, so expansive, and so inclusive. Ah, where am I? Not, not being able to spare judgment, though. He's not able to spare judgment and wrath. He sends Jesus in the flesh and he crushes him. See, in this, he pours out his wrath against the children of God onto his son, killing him. So Christ dies, but that's not the end of our story. No, 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 no. God raises him from the dead, and then Christ ascends into heaven, and the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in you and in me. It is now at work in all those who believe, and this is the gospel that we carry with us, the good news that we want to share with the world because Jesus is better. So let's read some scripture about this Jesus. Oh, we're going to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. It's so good. Let me read it for you guys. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Here we go. We're diving in. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creations. For by him, All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Oh, okay. So preeminent is not a word that I typically use in my vocabulary. So uh, I actually don't think that I've ever heard anybody other than somebody that quoted this verse use that term in their vocabulary. So I'm going to put it up on the screen. It is actually this word. Don't know how to pronounce it, but there it is. And it means to be first in rank, to be top. That there is nothing else above him, nothing to gain. He is the goal. He is what it's all about, to be preeminent. So my question for you this morning is, is Jesus preeminent in your life? That's the question we're looking at. Now, there's a few misconceptions with the gospel that we're going to look at this morning because our culture is very me-centered, very me-focused on ourselves. And so there are some lies that the enemy loves to tell you when you feel, when you're, yeah, just let's, let's jump into it. There's two categories that we're going to look at this morning. And under each of those categories, there's three different, we're going to look at just a few. So the first category is this, I do what's right, so God is pleased with me. 
as long as I do what is right and avoid what is wrong, God is pleased with me. God may even bless me because I do what is right. See, this leads to a whole slew of wrong thinking and false doctrine. The first of those being this, uh, the thought that Jesus is begging for us to accept him, that he is eagerly hoping that we choose him over stuff, over money, over the earthly satisfactions. Look, never did God's, never did God say, Jesse Bariga, he's an awesome man. I hope one day he's on my team and I hope that one day he believes in me. Like I would be saying, I wonder what, why, what, you know, I wonder what Jesus saw in me that would send him to the cross. See, the point is he saw nothing good in me. He saw nothing good in you. And that's the reason he went to the cross. Look, David Platt says this. He says, the cross is not a display of our value as much as it is a display of God's value. See, Jesus doesn't need our acceptance. (laughs) We need him. And we don't just need him. We desperately need him. Because he's the reason that your lungs have breath this moment. He is the reason that your heart has rhythm. And if he were to stop, so would we. Verse 17 says, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is worthy of every praise that we have in us. And and more than we could conjure up. Let's look at the second, second thought process that comes out of this one. It says, I follow God to get from God. And see, that's, that's just the prosperity gospel. That's not, the, that's not our gospel at all. That's saying that in following God, everything goes right. And that's absolutely a lie. Because we obey God to be near him, to be transformed into his image. We don't go to God to get things. We go to God to get God. And that's found in verse 18. It says, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in everything, that in everything he might be preeminent. Because it's only always ever been about Jesus. And it's only never been about me. The next thought is that God owes me because I do what is right. (laughs) See, this is a sneaky one. This one will come up and sometimes mask itself in these questions of why, God? Why? Why did this happen? Why is it always me? I've followed the rules. I've memorized scripture. And I was even nice to that person that you put next to me in my office, even though they're, ah, but all of this. And now there's, and this is the wrong. This is not the right perspective. Look, we want to glorify our God in our weaknesses. And we see that in Acts. If you were to look at the beginning of the book of Acts, we see the disciples. They have have Holy Spirit, and they are 
preaching this thing all over the place because they're excited. Their lives have been shifted. Peter now doesn't look like the Peter from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He now looks like the Peter from Acts, and things are getting wild. But what happens? They're spreading the gospel, and they get arrested. And the rulers say, would you stop talking about Jesus? And he says, look, you guys could do what's right by you, but for us, we cannot stop talking about Jesus. They say, we must obey God rather than you. And I got to turn there because it's just beautiful. Let's just take a second here. In Acts chapter 5, we see the end of the story because, look, they don't just get let loose. They don't just, oh, okay, I guess they're not going to stop talking about Jesus, so I guess we'll just set them free. That's not what happens at all. No, their, their reward for spreading Jesus was to get the mess beaten out of them and to have their backs ripped open and then kicked out, and they were like, oh, let me read it for you. This is so good. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. (gasps) So it wasn't why God, it was we just got to suffer for Christ. And it doesn't matter that our backs are ripped open and bleeding and you can most likely see some of our ribs from behind. No, no, no. We got to suffer for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. (laughs) They couldn't stop. That's what it looks like when Jesus is enough. When Jesus is preeminent. But just because this is... Uh, these are false statements and untrue, doesn't mean that the opposite is true. The opposite is actually just as false. We look at our second train of thought. God is frustrated with us merely tolerating us. See, this is the thought that I fell into a ton at the beginning of my Christian walk. Following Christ, I had some of these thoughts where when I failed at working, uh, at walking in righteousness, I thought God must be disappointed. I felt like he was often frustrated with me, that I was only loved as long as I performed accordingly. Sometimes I thought maybe, maybe if I feel sorry for myself in a certain way for a certain amount of time, he'll then be able to forgive me from what I've done. <laughs> and as we know, those are both, those are both inaccurate. So we're going to flip to Ephesians chapter 1, and we are going to, oh, let me just read it for you because this is, this is so good. Blessed Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heaven and in the heavenly places. Even as he chose even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ 
according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. I could keep going because it's a beautiful verse, but let's stop there. He said, which he lavished. Now that's not typically a word that I use again, but I was over Daryl's house the other day and he used the word lavish and I was so happy. I was like, yes, Daryl! He has lavished us with great things. <laughs> lavished is just what, it's beyond what can be measured. It's excessive, it's extravagant, it's superfluous, it's over the top, it's out of control. His grace in forgiveness is lavish. It's too much. It's a ridiculous amount. This means that God does not regret saving you. This means that you didn't surprise God with your most recent sin. That means that there is no sin past, present, or future that is stronger than what Christ did on the cross. Your salvation wasn't just a past event. And now Jesus is leaving it up to you to conquer your present and future sins. No, 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 no. This means that it doesn't matter how you came in here. It doesn't matter what you, what sin you fell into last week or how you treated your family this morning. It, his grace in forgiveness is lavish. Which leads us into the next wrong thinking that we could sometimes fall into. That I'm in this sin too deep. I can't stop. Maybe God will love a future version of me that's better than the one right now. <clears throat> if I could just work harder, focus more, and be more disciplined in my righteousness, I will be able to fix my sinful desires and set myself free from this. <laughs> This is absolutely wrong. This is ridiculous. Because as we read right here in Ephesians, in him we have redemption through his blood. <laughs> and it doesn't stop there. Look, this is all over the Bible. We look at Romans 5, 9, and it says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Oh boy, this is good because the word justified ju means that we are just as if we haven't sinned. That's kind of what it means, that we've been justified. So we look at these passages and we see that it says nothing about our efforts, nothing about our energy and our fixing ourselves up. It says everything about his blood. We have been justified by an act of God. That means that God sees you just as if you'd never sinned through Christ's work on the cross. Because if his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to 
sustain you through every trial, through every hardship, through every challenge and every temptation because Jesus is enough. So what does that mean for us? What do we do with this information? We start our days believing, not just thinking, but believing that we are loved, that I am loved, I am loved, I am a child of the creator God. I, he has lavished forgiveness upon me. And I'm forgiven. So that way we could start our day by walking in righteousness, reminding ourselves constantly that he's enough. He's enough. That there's nothing else to want, there's nothing else to pursue. He is preeminent. And when we mess up, because it's going to happen, and when we blow it, we don't run from God because the cross screams that he knew you were going to blow it. He knew you were going to mess up. That's why he sent Jesus. So no, we don't run from God. We run to God. We recognize our sin. We thank him for forgiving us and praise God that that is not who he has us to be. It's not who he's designed us to be anymore. We don't have to live in that. We get to ask God for forgiveness and, and change our ways. And then we ask for forgiveness for those that we've hurt in the process. And we continue to press into the true gospel. I'm going to have Steph... Stephanie come up and uh, lead us in a song. While that's happening, I want us to be willing to allow Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants in us, to show us, all right, this is how I want you to live this week. So that we know the next step, so that we don't just leave here saying, well, that was a great, that was a good time in the word and in praise, but I want us to go and actually change how we're living. Is Christ preeminent in your life? See, for me, the moments where I don't make Christ preeminent are, I would define it as moments between moments. It's not like I get to work and I forget, I work here so I'm doing ministry, but it's the moments when I'm driving in the car, getting to where I'm going. It's moments when I take a break from what I'm doing and I head to the bathroom and I, and I come back out. It's the moments that I'm traveling from one room to the next. Or th- those are the moments that I fail to give, make Christ preeminent. Where I decide, no, a YouTube video is going to be better than spending time in Christ. A time checking all my, my junk mail to delete this and keep it organized is, is going to be better than spending time in the Word. Putting him aside is going to be better than making him preeminent. So what is it for you? Let God reveal what it is this week that he wants you to work on in your life. Because we can't do it in our power. But if we submit and humble ourselves before our God, he will surround us with his presence. He will go before us. He will be behind us. Help us, God, to be humble enough to allow you reign in our lives. God, help us 
to allow you to be preeminent. That we wouldn't allow the pleasures and the satisfactions of this world and the things that we think are more important than you to get in the way of making you preeminent. God, we need more and more of you. Help us now as we focus on you. Absolutely. Let's praise him.